This is Software Engineering Radio, the podcast for professional developers on the web at se-radio.net. SE Radio brings you relevant and detailed discussions and interviews on software engineering topics every two weeks. Thanks to our audience and the partners listed on our website for supporting the podcast. Welcome to another episode of Software Engineering Radio. Um, in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, working as a consultant or coach. We'll define what the difference is in software. Um, we had announced this episode a long time ago, probably during the episode that Michael Kircher and I did about his role as a team lead at Siemens. I think he never mentioned Siemens, but I guess everybody knows that he works for <laughs> Siemens anyway. So um, <laughs> today we're going to talk about another role, which is the consultant. And uh, on the other end of the, well, on the other side of the car in which we record this, <laughs> um, uh, Martin. Hi, Martin. <laughs> Hi, Markus. Um, and um, we we didn't, you know, we didn't decide who will be the person to ask questions and who will be the, the content provider. So we're going to do this uh, in a relatively unprepared slash uh, <laughs> flexible <laughs> way um okay so i guess when we talk about consulting and coaching i guess we should first define what this is right and yeah I think so. Just, yeah so do you want to give it a shot um to be to be honest i have i have no real no real clearly defined clue what what the real difference between consulting and coaching is i think mostly because of um, in my work, I often act as a coach, but the, the contract is maybe with the, with the client is more on this kind of consulting stuff. So, so what do you do when you act as a coach? Maybe that's a way to get a grip on it. Yeah, I think typically um, in projects where I'm involved, I um, I help teams to to learn something, to get something done, uh, which they haven't maybe done before. Um, for example, um, they learn to do Scrum as an agile process, and I, I help them to um, to do Scrum. So I, I'm not really doing I'm not really um, doing Scrum for them, but I'm helping them to do Scrum. So maybe that's that's the difference because, mm -hmm. because of as as a consultant, you typically often do something for, for you get something done for the for the client mm -hmm. you implement some stuff or you do some some software and deliver the software or whatever you solve a problem for them and as a coach you more or less help them to get this stuff done for mm -hmm. themselves yeah that, that's certainly one way of, of differentiating it the way i typically do it is that if i have a project that goes on for one for weeks or months then i usually call it coaching because i do what you just said i help yeah. the team to to actually work <laughs> right <laughs> And um, consult consulting is what I call if I go to a team for, I don't know, two or three days and just help them, you know, get aligned into a certain direction. You know, I don't know, giving them a training on X-Text or uh, trying to find the first iteration for building a DSL for, I don't know, refrigerator configuration. Yeah. So for me, the short-term stuff where I basically only talk and maybe build a prototype that's what i call consulting mm -hmm. and when i do something for a longer time and i'm a, like a real member of the team and do actual work or help them do something over the long term mm -hmm. that's what i call coaching but i guess it's clear that the definition isn't really sharp yeah yeah so yeah especially in in, in the day-to-day -day work right yes i mean I think it's important for us to differentiate the kind of consulting slash coaching that we talk about from maybe the classical, I don't know, business 
guy, you know, who comes in with a suit, which is important in that case. And, <laughs> and because we, we don't wear we, we suits, yes, <laughs> we don't like it <laughs> very much. Um, and so we we really talk about hands-on software work when we talk about consulting, not about the classical business stuff. Oh uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Same okay. for me. Yeah. So I guess one primary goal of consulting and coaching is knowledge transfer so you want to help the team learn something or get good at something or right yeah i think that's that's a big differentiation between doing consulting or coaching and uh, some pure body leasing yeah. or doing some just coding for because the team uh, has not enough uh, coding coding hands on developers or so yeah so so okay so i think one way of so what we want to do is we want to tell you a little bit how we work what we do as consultants or coaches and then we can discuss a little bit um, what we think the necessary competencies of people who do this job are or should be um, you know danger is always that it sounds like we are you know um, you know telling you how great we are that's not the <laughs> idea but uh, since this episode actually recently we got an email I forgot who sent it who reminded us that we still should do this episode so that's why we got together and actually did it yeah so some people actually want to hear this okay so um why don't you tell us about one or two typical projects and then what you do on a day-to-day -day basis um in in um so one typical project for me is um, to get involved with a team who wants to adopt for example agile methods for example scrum And they really would like to get a feeling, what does it mean to adopt Scrum? What does it mean for them to adopt Scrum? So, uh, so I, they, they invite me um, and we talk for maybe two or three days about what is Scrum, how is Scrum defined, and especially what does it mean for them to do Scrum? So this kind of transferring the theoretical knowledge into their mm -hmm. practical um, daily life. Um, so that they get a, get a feeling, what, what does it mean? How could they start? How could they move on um, adopting um, Agile stuff? And this is typically done in a, in a more uh, workshop-like style where you sit together without tables and a flip chart and a pin board and you interactively discuss things um, with a group, more or less. Yeah, I think uh, mostly mostly with a group. I think. Who, who is that group? What kind of people are these? Oh, it's. I think it's. It's very widespread. Um, developers, project leaders, um, sometimes even pure managers. Um, I think it's. It's a very widespread across all the typical roles you know from software development inside companies. So typically, there. Um, so so my clients are more um, larger companies mm -hmm. uh, with with old or hierarchical structures in it. And, and they they ask for help. Um, and these two-day workshop-style um, jobs, they are more this kind of... Um, you haven't prepared a, a fixed agenda or you haven't, haven't prepared 200 slides and, yeah. and, 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 and talk to them all the time. You more or less interactively discuss with the people what does it mean, what are the questions. Um, so what I really like to do is start with a list of questions. Mm -hmm. not you with, mean you not mean your content. customers yeah, provide yeah. you with questions? They provide me with questions. Or we start with, uh, the workshop with, um, 
Okay, um, oh, right. let's let's uh, let's collect some questions. What are your questions? What are the most important things you you have in mind? Mm-hmm. Uh, the mo- the biggest questions, and we prioritize the questions. So the list of questions, and then we go through all those questions step by step in the list of the prioritization, um, and discuss those questions more or less. And mm-hmm. while discussing those questions, I of course I, I integrate some theoretical knowledge right. or where I know oh, oh, now I should talk about how to do retrospectives or how to do yeah. daily iteration or daily sprint planning or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's more on demand, the theoretical theoretical slices um, that are integrated. I think that's a, that's a typical uh, typical typical job for this kind of small small sized uh, two, three days jobs, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. So in my case, um, th- there are two very typical different cases. One is that the consulting activity is based on a specific tool, you know, Eclipse modeling, X-Text, things like that. And the workshop is more or less built like a training where, where you know, the customer tells me, we want to build this kind of language and we know that X-Text is great or something. And then we basically start building this together. I help them build the language and teach them the tool. That's that's one very typical way. Another, for me, much more interesting way is, or, or kind of job is, if the customer says, you know, we've heard about this model-driven DSL, domain-specific language stuff, and we think it sounds great. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we want to see whether we can use it in our environment. Yeah. And we would like, for example, and then there are two cases. Either they say, um, we have a specific case in mind. For example, recently I worked with a company who actually builds refrigerators and they thought about uh, defining a domain-specific language for helping their thermodynamicists define the cooling algorithm for refrigerators, which is not as trivial as you might (laughs) think. And um, so what we do then is we spend two days and uh, try to get a first iteration about this language and so what i do there is um that i first of all i have to understand what their problem is so i ask a lot of questions i try to understand what it means to describe how a refrigerator is cooled right so i have to understand what they want to describe and then usually um, we sit down with a notebook and we actually start prototyping a language because in the end i have to somehow well assuming i'm convinced that a DSL is the right approach, then I have to convince them that this would work and that the effort for building a language is acceptable. So that's why we spend usually a day or two actually building a sample or example or first iteration of a language. And um, so these are the two classical consulting gigs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes um, the customer wants me, you know, they've seen my name, conference stuff, we'll talk about that later. And so they sometimes say, you know, while you're already here, why don't you give, you know, one hour, one hour, 30 minutes presentation to the whole team or to all the developers in the company and tell them about DSLs. This is more like a little bit of propaganda for the department. Mm-hmm. Then. So that's the, the typical, um, I guess, consulting cases in, in my case. Yeah. I think uh, for me, the other case, uh, aside of these, these two to three day workshops, um, is the, the classical introducing Scrum to a team for a long period of time, so coaching them for several months, um, for one, two, three days a week or so, and doing Scrum or another agile method, whatever, um, in their day-to-day job, 
and helping them to get this uh, the thing successful. And so you would come back every week for a day or two? And yeah, for example, typically a little bit more intense at the beginning. So yeah. we start with um, two, three, four days a week. So, And then after after some weeks, uh, we re reduce it to two days a week, one day a week, and one day a month, yep. and so on. So the better it gets on site, the, the less frequently um, I visit them. Yeah, yeah. this is what I do as well, and that's what I would call coaching then, just a differentiator, although it probably doesn't, it's not very interesting. Um, and there, I do exactly the same thing, except that I usually don't deal with processes, but rather with technologies yeah. and, and certain practices. But it would work the same way. I would start with more intensity and then reducing it over time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm also asked for, for some, some technical stuff, but that's more or less because I'm... Uh, I'm split into two halves. Yes. One of my, my my interest is these process stuff and agile stuff, and and the other my other the other part of my heart um, beats for um, cool technology stuff and uh, <laughs> JavaScript and OSGI yeah. technologies. And, yeah, and that's a and then that's a lot of fun to get get involved with uh, with teams um, which are adopting, for example, OSGI and, and and figure out some some technical challenging problems they have. Some class loading issues or so. The typical, from from my point of view, very very interesting problems um, you run into if you if you use OSGI, for example. Yep. And it's a lot of fun to to work with them on those problems, getting the thing to to work, um, mostly in in a short period of time. So uh, so I'm, I'm just there for for one or two days or so, and yep. they they hope to get this this problem solved in that period of time. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Intensive yeah. work, but uh, very, very interesting. You see a lot of, lot of different systems, a lot of different people, yes. and and uh, it's, it's always fun. I guess we should uh, come back to what we like and what we don't like about our consulting yeah. jobs towards the end. But uh, seeing different systems and different teams working with these systems is certainly a, a big plus. Um, um, what do you think um, being a consultant is what, what's important to be a good consultant? I mean, um, you, you already said that you're like split between process stuff and some technologies, certain specific technologies, basically OSGI mostly, right? That's what mm. you're known for. Yeah. Um, what would you think is, is an important uh, precondition to be a good consultant? I think um, for me, one of the most important preconditions is that that you like to listen to people And that's interesting. I thought and consultants talk all the time. <laughs> maybe it's maybe I also like to talk, <laughs> but I think it's 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 very important to listen to people and and to understand their problems and to um to be very respectful to their systems and to their to their problems and to their their, their teams because I think um, sometimes I, I sometimes I I, I met consultants uh, they come into a project and they are the big the big big bosses Hero. and they know everything they're big heroes and all the other the, the clients it's just uh, hey what, what are you doing here I know it better and uh, yeah. the architecture is completely wrong you should do it <laughs> this or that way and I think it's, it's, it's that's that's not my style of doing consultancy mm -hmm. and I think it's it's not from my personal point of view it's not the not the thing that I like but but it's an interesting challenge isn't it because on the one hand side in your example, let's let's take OSGI as an example. People know that you know about OSGI quite a lot. So they might hire you to help them with their OSGI problems. So you have to um, you have to 
in some sense know some things better than they do, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't hire you. Yeah. On the other hand, you can't go in and say, you're all idiots and this is all wrong. Let's do it differently. I mean, you can do it, but you probably won't be a very very well liked with the team yeah, but, so, but even 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 if 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 i wouldn't care about if they like me or not it's typically not it's not true so the, the the trick is that you that you bring in your knowledge about the technologies or whatever they hired you for but you don't you don't press it on them i don't press it on them and i think i'm acting as as a consultant or coach inside a team Of course, they hire you because they maybe they have not enough knowledge in, in a specific technology or a specific process stuff, or they need some help in some some part of their doing. But they're not not idiots. They are uh, right. typically. Uh, I met a lot of very very good teams, yes. great teams, and great people, yes. and they do great work. And I think the the beneficial part of this consulting job is that you put together these two sides. So my, I know a little bit more about OSGI than they do maybe, and they know a lot more about their domain, their system, their structure, um, their site conditions, all this, this, this huge amount of stuff that they have to deal with in, in their day-to-day -day work, which, which I'm just not aware of. Yeah. Uh, and you have to, I think you have to bring together these two, two, two points, these two big areas of knowledge, um, to get something something done and something solved. Maybe maybe in trying to express the same thing in a different way is what I always do is that I, I well, if I have a, a dedicated opinion on something, I let them know. And I tell them if I think they do something wrong. However, I also know where my boundaries are. I don't try to be, you know, the all-knowing God about everything, right? I just... In, in a very specific area I, I, I help them and I probably really do know more about certain things as you just said and I stay away from the other stuff and I also tell them if they want something from me for, for which I don't know what I should say I just say no I don't, I don't know I have no idea yeah. just leave I, me alone <laughs> and I, I think it's, 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 perfectly, it's perfectly okay to say uh, my opinion is this or that and maybe it's, it's not shared with, it's with, mm -hmm. with other people on the world that's, that's fine um, but it's It's still maybe just, it's still maybe just my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's not the truth, mm. or all the truth of the world. It's maybe just my opinion or my personal experiences drawn from w w whatever I did in the past, which may be completely different from, from what they do. So, so I think it's um, for me, it's more like sharing my experiences yeah. and trying to to adapt my experiences to their situations and trying to find out together uh, with the team uh, what we can can learn from those experiences maybe to get something solved or so something better whatever one thing i also noticed in my work is that i sometimes tend to not spend enough energy to really understand deeply what the customer's problem really is sometimes you go somewhere You talk to people half an hour and then you you tend to put, you know, the, the problem they have into one of your boxes, you know, the <laughs> box for these kinds of things and the box for those kinds of things. And then you already want to start solving it, but you didn't really understand things. And then, you know, you, you, you start doing things, you help them build a prototype, whatever. And then over the day, you notice, oh, 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 oh I was way too optimistic. It's much more complicated. The problem is much deeper. It's not so easy. So as you say, it's really important to, to spend some time and, and listen to people and, and 
really try to understand their input. Yeah, it's um, in in one of my projects I, I was involved in. Uh, I worked for for a relatively long time with the team, um, developing inside the team, doing doing art, architecture discussions, design discussions, but also just day to day programming. And and sometimes they they ask me to, oh, do you have a design idea for this problem? And they mostly said, you have to ask him three times until you get a really good answer. <laughs> Because my first answer was just, just like these, oh, yeah, 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 I know this is similar to that. And yeah, the, yeah. the solution is is A. And uh, after um, two hours, uh, they came back and say, ah, I ran into this problem. Can you take a look at this? And say, oh, yes, my answer A was wrong. Yeah. Or it's simplistic. It was completely shit yeah uh let's try let's try b yeah i have an idea for b and then after three hours they can basically can you again take a look at this i think it's <laughs> not it's it does not really match yeah. here and and then together uh, we find a solution c but then again it's, it's, it's this situation of sharing experiences discussing things with them it's not about knowing something better or knowing knowing more or less than yeah. someone else it's more like having different experiences than other people and sharing those experiences with other people to see what, what we can learn from them and what, what solution we can find. Some people say that a consultant shouldn't bring in any knowledge. He should only help the team discover what they already know and bring things together, you know, help facilitate a, a, a creative or productive team. I would say that's not the kind of consulting I do, right? I'm not saying that's wrong or that's not happening, but that's not the kind of consulting I do. I, I'm hired for very specific areas of, of expertise. So my role is not the person who, you know, who gels a team, as you would want to say. Mm. But those people also exist, I guess. Yeah, I think from from my process consulting, it's, it's yes. more, more that style. Yeah. Um, because uh, it doesn't help the team that if, if I do the process, if I live the process, it makes no sense. <laughs> makes no sense. Yes. The team has to live the process yeah. and has to, to, to accept it and modify it and has to learn how to deal with this process and has to, to, to they have to, to make their own experiences um, using this process. And um, that's very much the situation where I help the team to, to figure out what is right yeah. and what is wrong. Um, and I don't know in advance what is right and what is wrong. Yeah. So, One thing that I think that is important to be a successful consultant, this also relates back to the amount of money you can make uh, per day, is that I think you should have a clear profile. Well, at least I've always worked that way, that I'm, I, I'm, I work in certain areas, I publish in these areas, I speak on conferences in these areas, so people assume I have experience in these areas and that's what I can sell. And that's what I work in. Would you agree or would you would you say um, being, I don't know, <laughs> I can't even ask the question. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't imagine what a consultant would do, uh, what, what a consultant's life would be if the consultant would not be focused on a very specific topic area. Do you have any idea how that could, I mean, do these people exist? I, I don't know. Or is that the typical body lethal then, you know, you just go in a project and work? Maybe it's typical body leasing stuff. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I've, I've always tried to follow to follow topics that I'm interested in mm. and where I can spend my, my hard blood on. Um, say this this is really cool. I should do a lot of OSGI stuff because I really like this kind of modularity and I uh, 
uh, I would not say I dream all the night about Osjai, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> tell you what. <laughs> 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 but uh, but it's it's pretty close to that <laughs> and um then I, I just learn a lot about the stuff and I, i'm 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 feeling happy to share my experiences yes. about this with other people um and maybe maybe in helping other people to get some some OGI stuff uh, running um for example um but if i would be a consultant for 20 different topics or so um I wouldn't be able to invest all my hot blood into all the different topics and be good at yeah, all the different that, topics. That's and, the point. And yeah. I really, I really like to be good at something yes. and then help people or discuss this thing with other people and maybe helping them. So yeah. I'm, I'm, do not really like the situations where, for example, where your boss sends you to a client because the client has asked for an hibernate expert. <laughs> uh, And he read on your profile that you you've used Hibernate uh, 20 years ago yeah. in in one of your projects for for a week, and now you're a Hibernate expert, and you go to the right. client and have to co consult them Hibernate, and all you can do is uh, try to figure out the night before uh, what the solution could be to be a little little maybe a tiny little step before the knowledge or before the 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 the. To the, the client yeah and this is uh, th something I, i don't like and i i avoided all all the years back yeah. yeah coming into those situations where i'm where i'm um contracted well, you, for something that i don't really be an expert i don't yeah. really know I, I, personally i i really have to be confident of what i tell my customers i have to be sure that i know what i'm talking about And I have to be sure that what I'm recommending is, it might not be completely what they need. That's a different question. But I have to be confident that things, in principle, that they work and that I've done them before. So I would agree that, that personally, I, to, to be able to do con good consulting work, I really have to be very proficient in the particular topic area that I consult about. I think that's really crucial. Yeah, and I think you also have to be honest. So yes. if they ask you a question... Uh, For, for which you don't really have an answer because you haven't done it before, so you, maybe you have an idea or so. Um, tell them. I, I always tell them, say, I have no really idea. I've, I haven't met a team that has this situation before. Yeah. I can't imagine this ABC could help. Maybe we, we need to try out, but I really don't know the answer. Yeah. And that's uh, I think that's, that's also important for, for, for uh, having a healthy life as a consultant. Yes. Right, because customers will find out uh, quite quickly if you talk about stuff you really don't know about. They will, they will, they feel it, right? They, yeah, they yeah, feel yeah. you becoming insecure and just talking blah 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 around things. Yeah, and, so. and typically they they they're not angry about uh, about a situation where you say, "Oh, I have no real idea." Well, maybe if you if you if you if you say this uh, for three days uh, in a <laughs> yes, in a period, in your core, core competency <laughs> in the core competency uh, where, where where you pay a lot of money yeah. to you to your company, and you say three days in a row, "I have no real idea what your problem is, and yeah. I haven't figured out what you can what could help you." Yeah. Um, but then, typically, something went wrong before. Yes. So, so that's a good point. So, how do you find your customers? I mean, how well, or how do the customers find you? I mean, how do you how do you ensure that what you just talked about does not happen? How do you match? Um, typically, I like to to talk to them before. Um, so, 
I'm not talking about these, these kind of pre-sales and, and, no, and no, marketing no. stuff. Yeah. That's that's different thing. Yeah. But if if we have found found us some somehow, um, I like to talk to them before and, and and try to figure out what the problem is, what the situation yeah, is. Expectation management. Uh, the ex yeah, the expectation management. What what do they expect from me? I, I tell them what I think, where I can help them, where I cannot help them. So uh, it's very often the case that I tell those 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 potential clients. Uh, I think I have experience in this area and I can help you with that. But I think the other part that you mentioned, I'm not really an expert. I can tell you some tell you some stories of my life yeah, or yeah. so, but but no real good knowledge. So maybe you should ask for, for the other stuff, someone else. Yeah. Um it's a lot better than, than sitting there and, and trying to to play a role as an expert A where you yeah. don't really don't really be. Yeah. I, I do the same thing. I always try to talk to them in advance and um, in many cases you really just need to spend five minutes and you get a good understanding of what kind of you know things they want from you sometimes it's a little bit more complicated i recently was for a customer was working for a customer where it turned out after the consulting session that they didn't want wanted to have any consulting what they wanted was that i write something that says that what they did is right <laughs> and this okay. was completely political <laughs> and this was really absolutely awful and i refused to continue to work with them afterwards mm. because i mean this was a joke but in general um talking to them in advance and uh, getting an understanding of what they need is, is a good idea sometimes i always then uh, sometimes say you know i don't know about these things let me bring a colleague or i recommend you ask this guy i once uh, that's once i once a company hired me for the usual dsl consulting stuff in the context of java and and, and spring and i spent a day there and it turned out they they don't they didn't need dsls they just needed to use spring right mm. so i said you know why don't you call Eberhard wolf and just hire him and yeah. that's that yeah i think and that's that's uh, same for me and um also for um, for the company that I, I'm involved in, uh, the IT Agile company, I think it's, it's also very important to say, uh, not not even you can say, okay, maybe you should not ask me, sh ask the other guy. Um, your company should need should I think should follow the same idea and same path. Yeah. Saying, um, oh, we are focused on this and that, and if you would like to have get some help for whatever distributed agile teams worldwide um ask Jutta. ask Jutta, Eckstein, <laughs> for example <laughs> yeah. yeah right so um how do you decide what to charge them i mean i don't think we i mean i, I mean if it does probably doesn't make much sense if we say here and now you should charge x thousand or x hundred euros per day because it obviously depends on the industry on the country you live in and so on but how do you how do you find the price i tell them ask my ceo <laughs> <laughs> well i was i was an independent well i'm still an independent but i work with the team these days and so i had I had you, you couldn't ask no, your CEO. No. Well, I also <laughs> told them to ask the CTO, which meant that the same telephone was ringing five minutes later. And uh, the the way I usually do it is that, or I did it at the time, was that I basically had a daily rate that I said, if I get that mm. per day, then that's great. And then if I noticed, you know, it was a company in Switzerland, a bank who has a lot of money, I added two or 300 euros to that sum. 
and um, if it was a company you know a small company which um, maybe I you know when they they called you and said yeah you know we'd like to have you here but you know, we can't pay you that much so if it was an interesting problem or if it was only five kilometers from where I lived or when I could learn a lot myself mm. then uh, I reduced this 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 rate as well but I think it's important for a consultant to have a certain number in your head going into a customer project because you should know what you want yeah right? i think it's, it also depends on how long you are you involved in the project so yes of course did they did they buy right. you for half a year or just for three days or so yeah. it's uh, very difficult i mean yeah right i mean th th it depends on a lot number of, of of things one is of course also how how well known you are regarding the specific topics you should you're hired to talk about i mean if you're well known for something and they hire you for exactly that topic then you can obviously charge more i had other projects where um i for example i was involved with a bmw in the autosar uh, proof of concept 2004 and at the time i had some experience with model driven stuff but i had absolutely no experience with embedded software so they asked me whether i would like to actually this was coaching whether well, i would like to work with them on this stuff and i said yeah um you know i can help you with this model driven stuff but i have no experience with embedded so why don't we agree on a daily rate where i don't earn as much as i would maybe but i learn about all this embedded stuff while i'm in your project and i bring in my uh, model driven stuff mm -hmm. right and so i worked for a for a rate that i usually wouldn't have worked mm. for but it was very good it, it took me a year there i Uh, I really learned a lot and that was a good deal. So yeah. things like that happen as well. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the competencies or the skills you need to be a successful consultant. Um, well, one, one thing from my perspective, I think we, we made that clear. You have to be, uh, well, technically... Uh, fit you know you have to really know the topic you want to consult about i guess that's obvious mm -hmm. right and in my experience it's also a good idea to make that known like target conferences write papers write articles so that the world <laughs> your potential customer base gets to know you for these topics because that makes it easier to match to find potential customers Yeah, it makes it easier for you to find find those customers because maybe they they've seen you at a conference, they ask you, they they write you an email, so you do not really need to do a lot of these kind of uh, uh, marketing yeah. and, and and sales and yes. stuff like that. Yeah, actually, I never did. I never did uh, any sales work as a consultant. I always, and I would say ninety percent of all projects I work in worked in the customer uh, approached me. Mm. So. They knew what I was standing for, what I worked with, and they approached me and asked me, basically. Maybe that's very special for you. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I don't think so. I mean, if you look at other people who have a very clear-cut profile, like Peter Rosbach with his uh, Tomcat stuff, or, um, I don't know, Matthias Bohlen or Frank Buschmann, I don't think they, they I don't know, they, they call potential customers, you know, can I please work for you? I don't think that's how it works. Yeah, but, but maybe you, maybe exactly those guys... And those, those those typical typical people doing a lot of co and at conferences and doing this kind of stuff, they come to your mind now. But 
you, you, you don't think about the the other guys. No, no, no. Maybe I, giving some talks at a conference sometime and then maybe for two years. What I'm saying is I cannot talk about the other way of finding customers yeah, because yeah. I never did it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So um, maybe you can. Maybe your company, IT Agile, did that more. I, I don't know. I think uh, the IT Agile company, we, we, we did a lot of a lot of these kind of marketing at conferences also. Right. Doing talks and, and writing books, writing articles. Um, and we we also create a lot of these kind of marketing toys mm-hmm. um, or marketing products like like a wallpaper and uh, I don't know. An iPad you had on one of the... Yeah, well, that was more an eye catcher. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was not really... But with, with these kind of... Beardickel, I don't know the English word for that. Yeah, and mugs, <laughs> you, have, you, have, you have coffee mugs. Yeah, we have coffee mugs and, and, yeah. and pants. And, yeah. and, but all those, I think what's, what's interesting or what's important for those marketing, um, mar- marketing things is, is that they have a very clear relationship to your profile or your company. Mm. So every company has pants. <laughs> every company. Yeah. It, doesn't, it, it simply doesn't matter if you have yeah, pants yeah, or if you're not sure, pants. Yeah. So it, it, that does not create a... A relationship with with you or your profile, your experiences. Yes, it's it's much more interesting having um, marketing things, marketing toys that people um, quickly associate exactly mm. with your area, with your stuff, and that's what what the guys at ITH I think. Um, and it, it's not me. Yeah. I, I'm not inventing all those yeah, these, yeah. these nice tools, toys at ITH. Um, th- those are most I think Henning Wolf and Anne Rog. Mm-hmm. And they do, I think, a brilliant job creating all these tiny little things that you um, obviously associate with agile software development, with lightweight tools, mm-hmm. um, and in the end with ID Agile. Yeah. We were talking about uh, the skills um, of a consultant. I think another, when we were at this technical competence as being one one ingredient to the skills, I think another one is the ability to, you said it before, to listen. And it's not enough to listen. You have to comprehend. You have to understand the kind of problems the customer has. You have to try to understand also the team dynamics to some extent. So you understand who might be the two or three key people in the team. So if you uh, if you transfer your knowledge to those two or three people, then they can transfer it further. So understanding people, understanding their problems, trying to understand how teams work, that's um, another very important thing, I think. Yeah, I think communication skills in general. Yeah, I, I would have... Understanding, listening, and being able to explain yeah. something clearly to people. Yes. So explain concepts to people, yes. explain ideas to people. It, it doesn't really... It doesn't really... doesn't really... Is, is, is brilliant if you have a great idea in your mind. You can't you, communicate you it. You can't yeah. communicate it because yeah. other people won't listen. And this is interesting because this also, um, again, follows in into this or... or, or um, fits together with this conference talk and article writing thing because this is also communication of your knowledge. Mm. So in some sense, if a co- if a consultant gives good presentations and or writes good papers, that's a good indication that when you hire him, he's able to communicate his knowledge or his ideas to your team. Mm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also good to to have a. Um, we we already talked about this clear profile. Yeah. Where maybe people know you because you're good at DSLs, um, and I think it's um, it's I think it 
is good if those topics doesn't if they don't change every half year. Yeah. So this year you're DSL expert, and yeah. next year you're the Agile, Agile expert, yeah. and then the OSGI expert, and then you're the the Scala expert, yeah. and then the Closure expert, and yeah. then the Tomcat expert, and then the Spring expert, and all the things. Right. Because I think if, it's interesting for me because I have these two sides, um, this Agile stuff and these OSGI stuff. And yeah. it's, even in this situation, we're really, really interested in both sides. Um, sometimes pe people get confused and they, they ask me for for I and they oh oh really oh you do agile stuff oh <laughs> that's interesting um, yeah. and the other way around yeah and it, it makes it a lot easier to get to stay focused on a specific topic for for a longer period of time um, and do not switch to topic from topic right um, uh, something that I regularly do when customers try to explain something to me is that I, I listen I try to understand And then I reformulate what they just told me in my own words, maybe do a you know, diagram on a flip chart, try to explain things. So this is a very specific technique that I've learned to use. Um, maybe that's as a recommendation. Um, not just try to listen passively, but uh, really try to comprehend and then do something with that knowledge by extrapolating or building an example, you know, Yeah, it's, I, think it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's even a, a pretty well-known technique no, from no, I, I don't psychology say or so. Absolutely, yeah. Called active listening or so. But yeah, right. Uh, I only know the German, yeah, yeah. The German stuff, but it yeah. sounds like active listening. Yeah, active too. Whatever. Yeah. Yes. No, I, yeah. All Very those important. German words here today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so... Let's look a little bit. Uh, let's look a little bit at uh, what the positive and what the negative aspects are of this, of this job. Let's start with the negative aspects <laughs> so we can can get rid of them. Right? Uh, I guess there is one big, 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 big overwhelming negative point, which is traveling. Yeah, tra yeah, yeah traveling, traveling sucks. Traveling, traveling sucks. Uh, I can tell you, even if you, even if you, if you have a very important traveling member card of any airline of the world it's it's get getting a little bit better because you can sit in, in a quiet room and get some food but in the end it's uh it yeah. still sucks traveling sucks yeah. still sucks so that's something if you think about becoming a consultant you have to uh, be willing to travel um and the older you get the less willing you will become that's a, a prediction we can risk uh, making right Yeah, especially if you if you have a family yeah. and maybe you get children. Even without. That, that, yeah, even without, yeah. But the problem is that the interesting projects are usually not where you live, unless you live in a, I don't know if you live in Seattle or San Francisco. Oh, yeah. But if you're like a normal person living in a normal country, in a normal city, <laughs> then you always have to compromise between uh, interesting projects and projects that are at home. Um, I've been working as a consultant for about 10 years now. And only two weeks ago, I was working for a customer where I could actually uh, stay overnight at my parents. Yeah. So um, it, it usually customers are somewhere else and you have to be willing to stay in the hotel and do all this travel crap. Yeah, and even if the if it's a, it's a great hotel, it's a great That's airline, uh, even if it's if it can all make things a little bit nicer and a little yeah. bit easier and a little bit more family style but only a little bit it's not the same when i was young um when i was a kid <laughs> when I, what i did um i well i was working at customers basically 100 percent of the year 
And the way I compensated for that was that I took uh, two or three months off during summertime and basically mm. went flying. So, so I had something to look forward to. Yeah. But I ruined more than one relationship with this. So um, you really have to. It's it's a pain and. It might be worth it. I'm still working as a consultant. I don't travel as much anymore for the obvious reasons, but you have to be aware of that. Yeah, definitely. Another negative thing? No, know about something? I think another negative thing is that you can't work with with a team typically for a longer period of time together with colleagues. Right. So even even in, in inside of IT Agile, we have uh, we have meetings and stuff like that where you where you meet the other colleagues inside the company. Uh, but it's it's not the same as if you work inside a, for example, inside a product team yeah. doing some product development. You all you see the people every day, and you're yeah. you're familiar with them, and it's it's more like these kind of yeah. the family at work for you. It's 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 not really that feeling. You, you I agree. Didn't get this kind of family at work, except if you work for a very long period of time for for a project. So I'm I was involved in project for I think. I think six years or so, well, only part time, but mm -hmm. but part time in the same project, right. and in the end, of course, it, it, it felt like like being a part of my family. Yeah, um, but this is, I think, the exception. It's the exception. I would agree. There is another risk related to that, um, and that is that if you, well, one thing is that if you don't really work with a team, it might be hard for you to learn. You know, I, I go to customers, let's again use this refrigerator example. I learn from this company to some extent how to do refrigerators. Now, the point is, I'm not a refrigerator consultant. In the end, I don't care, right? Mm. So if you are always the, 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 the best guy in your specific niche topic area, then it's hard to learn from others in your specific niche area. Certainly, you learn all kinds of other things, but they might not be that relevant for your professional advancement. So I think that is a, a problem. That's why many consultants um, go to a lot of conferences and also have a big network where they talk to other people, even if they're not in the company, like not the big family, but still yeah. a big network of friends and, and other colleagues to compensate for that to some extent. I yeah. think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like to go to a lot of conferences and talk to all these other guys and all the other people and... and the other attendees and really try to use the the conference to learn from other people yeah. not yeah. even while listening to talks but no no no, no. <laughs> listen to other people yeah. and 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 talk to other people yeah agreed yeah and then finally another risk i think is that you become a talker right somebody who just talks you have a bunch of polished powerpoints and you know what to say but you don't ever really do right you just talk i think that is a that is on the one hand side it's a risk you shouldn't you shouldn't become that way but as a consultant i sometimes have the feeling it's unavoidable to some extent um, i often leave projects after they are like set up in the right direction and then i don't stay until the end when the real big problems show up right or when you know you know how it is mm. the beginning is always easy so Sometimes I feel I would prefer to work in an environment where I actually build something and not just talk about building things. Yeah, absolutely. I think I like those projects a lot more where we actually do some stuff. And it doesn't matter if it's if it's technically interesting or if it's a process stuff that is interesting. Um, but staying with the team for a long period of time to see what happen, what happens over the time, what what problems maybe you have caused 
with your consultancy after a year or so because yes. you, you say them, <laughs> right. oh, use Architecture X and then yeah. X sucks a little bit yeah. in this and that yes. direction um, after a year, after two years. I think that's, that's very interesting and, yeah. and being involved in that after that period of time is is beneficial because you you learn about your own experiences that you've cha you've shared. Yeah. Otherwise, you you end in this situation where you generate your knowledge just from talking to other people yeah. about your experiences, and then your experiences get less and less and less over time. Uh, You're yeah. just generating your knowledge from some consulting projects. Never did it. Never really did yeah. it yeah. Yeah. until the end. Yeah. in one of the projects and that's I'm, yeah. I'm not so happy with that yeah. so let's talk about the positive aspects uh, of, of being a consultant um, any is there anything <laughs> <laughs> is there anything sure I think, I think the obvious the obvious thing is you meet a lot of interesting people yeah. you meet a lot of lot of teams a lot of great teams you can see a lot of different different technologies and a lot of different teams, a lot of different projects, different systems, different domains. And that's yeah. interesting. It, it never gets, gets really boring. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you have different experiences. No, 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 I, I, the point is if, if, if I agree that, that the environment is always different. For example, I was recently um, doing some consulting for a company that builds, um, Uh, lithography machines mm. you know, as part of uh, chip production and they started the workshop with giving us a one and a half hour demonstration and well I shouldn't say demonstration tutorial introduction about how these machines work this was extremely interesting so um, just learning about different systems different environments different things people do different cool things people do is a very 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 nice aspect of, of the job um, the fact that it never gets boring I wouldn't agree to that 100% because um I don't know how many Hello World level X-Text DSLs I've built, right? Yeah. I probably can't count it. Um, this is boring. Yeah. So that's why I always try to make sure that my customers at least, um, you know, suggest to me a specific domain for which we should build the language because I really don't want to do my own standard Hello World stuff because it's so boring. Yeah. But uh, in general, I agree that's, that's a, big, a big plus uh, of the job. And I think what was also a big plus is that you're not involved um, inside the typical structures of a company. You mean like politics? Politics, hierarchies, uh, your boss and then your, your career stuff. It's, it's not really um, connected with your day-to-day -day work right. on the client side. Because okay. I, I've visited a lot of even big companies and, and big hierarchies and it's, it's sometimes really annoying how those companies sometimes work or don't work or don't work <laughs> maybe um and sometimes it, it's it's good to see good to say okay uh the job is done you can go back to maybe your consulting company your small consulting company yeah. or go back to, to another team where you can work with that team and see oh it's it's uh, life can look different yeah yeah well another positive thing um can be you have to be careful to qualify that uh, working as an independent if you're willing to travel and if you're willing to work the whole year you can make a decent amount of money without um, taking a specific risk right it's not like you invest dozens of you know 
tens of thousands of euros or something like in a startup and then you become rich that's not the same thing obviously with a startup with a successful startup you can earn much more than as a consultant but you can earn a decent amount of money which is you probably can can earn more than if you're working in a quote normal development organization i would think i never did that but it requires that you really basically sell 100 percent of your of your of your year meaning 200 days a year and it also requires that you sell it into small uh, chunks of consulting because if you work in the same project for a long time your daily rate obviously goes down mm. so um, if you're willing to 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 travel to have a lot of different customers and to do all that then you then you can make a decent amount of money that's certainly an, an interesting aspect of the of the job yeah especially as, as freelancer yeah. or as an independent consultant right? yes absolutely well as soon as your kind of um if your salary depends on the amount of money you make yeah I, I, what i'm saying is of course if you're an independent uh, as a freelancer then that's obviously the case yeah. but also i would say that if you work for classical consulting companies then i would I, i know that at least in some of them your salary depends on the amount of money you make for the company mm -hmm. so there is again this coupling okay so that that does exist but um the thing is of course if you want to do a lot of small consulting jobs you have to you know find you have to schedule them you know efficiently you don't have a yeah. lot of you have to be very flexible when you do your holidays because usually you have to work when you would like to do holidays and so i don't do this anymore that's why i mean my my income has decreased over the last couple of years because mm. i have not been willing to to spend all my time with customers and travel all, all uh, every day. So, well, that's certainly potentially positive. Mm. Yeah. Um, anything else positive about uh, our job? Um, to, for me, really, the, the, the biggest benefit is to learn about all these, all these different systems and where people use... I mean, you know how and where people use the technology you quote sell right because if you're focused on a specific topic and you work with different customers on this topic you can see how these people use let's say domain specific languages and you learn a lot by by, by observing them yeah. that's certainly interesting okay um i think that's basically what we had prepared right yeah prepared in uh, <laughs> in, in quotes in quotes <laughs> yeah we we, we 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 intentionally kept this very conversational and didn't prepare it too much because well we both have experience working as a consultant and we didn't want to define these clear roles of uh, interviewer and interviewee so that's why it might have sounded a little bit improvised slash chaotic <laughs> <laughs> well but we still hope that uh, you liked it um If you have any questions, you know how to reach us, uh, team sure. at seradio.net or Martins or my email address directly and uh, let us know what you think. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Software Engineering Radio. Software Engineering Radio is an educational program brought to you by Hillside Europe. If you want more information about the podcast and all the other episodes, visit our website at se-radio.net. If you want to support us, you can donate to the SE Radio team via the website or you can advertise for SE Radio, for example, by clicking on the Dick Reddit delicious links and the slash dot button. 
To contact the team, please send email to team at se-radio.net or if it is specific to an episode, please use the comments facility on the website so other people can react to your comments. This episode of SE Radio, as well as all other episodes, are licensed under the Creative Commons 2.5 license. Please see the website for details. Thanks to Charlie Crow and the Podsife Music Network for the music used in this show. The song is called Vegas Hard Rock Shuffle.